We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, I'm Jerry Boyer. Welcome to Meeting of Minds podcast. My guest today is Todd Russ, treasurer of the state of Oklahoma. Treasurer Russ, thanks for being with us today. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm really fascinated by what I've been seeing in the news of the legislature um, that you're responsive to. You have to you carry out the laws which are passed by the legislature of the state. The legislature has taken a position which seems very reasonable to me, which is when the state is deciding with whom to do business, uh, say, especially in finances, um, you do not want to be doing business or material amounts of business, well, let's say, for instance, with your pension plan um, management, with companies that are attacking the energy industry, since the energy industry is maybe the main economic driver of your state. Uh, so first of all, do I have that right so far? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Fantastic. Your implementation of that is to look at companies that have made strong public statements against energy, uh, against fossil fuels, which is, you know, the only really practical energy right now to run uh, the major uh, the world economy. And you've put out that list to them. You've written to them and you've given them an opportunity to respond by either proving that they're not proving, not just claiming, proving that they're not boycotting energy or they're giving up the right to do business with the state. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, not completely original for, for the state of Oklahoma. There's been several other states that have kind of took the lead on this. We've definitely joined in and we're glad to. And uh, being an energy state, uh, all in natural gas and even some coal, uh, you know, that's very important to us. But really, it should be important to, to people all across the United States and the world if they want to stay warm in the winter and and all the things that have to do with survival, then they should be concerned. Um, basically, uh, the process, we submitted about 160-some letters to banks and financial uh, companies that uh, did business with the state of Oklahoma in some form. And uh, we got uh, almost all of those back, which really surprised me. There were a few that didn't respond. They thought they didn't. it didn't apply to them. They thought they didn't qualify in, in the language of the statute, although the language in the statute said that if you don't respond, it's it's presumed that you are boycotting and therefore you will automatically be placed on the list. And uh, I don't think they read that part, so I had to put them on the list, and they, they really did come around. Um, but uh, uh, for the rest of them, they, they, they responded to a pretty comprehensive li- uh, questionnaire that I'd uh, assembled and in the the letter the language in the in the law actually allows a considerable amount of latitude for the go, for the for the treasurer to uh, go in and actually do their own investigation use third party consultants and whatever we felt was reasonable and necessary to get truth and um, interestingly most of those banks responded that no we don't boycott oil and gas and energy, and uh, we, you know, it's kind of paraphrasing, we don't know what you're talking about, 
so we really had to go in and do a little more digging and, and do our own research to find out uh, what these uh, institutions' honest position was um, in a more more broad, comprehensive uh, standing across the U.S. and the world. That's where it got complicated for them because when you go into these net zero um, alliances and some of the climate accords, uh, that all changes because of the comments and stuff that they place on on those websites, and that become very complicated for them, and uh, and that had a lot to do with my final decision. Hmm. Well, it, it's interesting. I've I've seen the claims from some of these folks that they don't boycott energy, don't boycott fossil fuels, uh, but of course, you know there is directly boycotting all fossil fuels on the one hand, which hardly anybody does. Uh, I mean, you'd be crazy to have, say, a broad-based fund that didn't have any oil or gas companies in it. Uh, What I see, uh, and we're in the middle of annual meeting season right now, is over and over again, these asset managers pressuring companies to decarbonize, uh, to adopt aggressive phase-outs for fossil fuels, uh, to write down the assets of the fossil fuels, to admit the sins of being a fossil fuel company to eventually divest, uh, to divest from thermal coal, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty incredible bar for them to, you know, to say, well, well, we don't completely uh, boycott fossil fuels. Well, of course, nobody completely, no large asset manager could completely boycott fossil fuels. But day after day after day, they're pushing decarbonization, which is bad for fossil fuels. Uh, so and it, therefore, it's bad for really all of us. But it's but you know especially bad for states like Oklahoma that are energy states. So they they seem to be responding to a kind of a straw man when they say, well, we don't boycott fossil fuels and we don't know what you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's that's kind of what I found out when we started going through the valuations and reading the responses. And, and you're exactly right. They don't, you know, they don't certainly don't completely boycott energy because every one of them have come to me and said, look, we, we hold billions of dollars in investments in oil and gas companies, energy companies. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately, I had a little bit of help doing my homework. And when I asked them, what percent of your portfolio does that make up? Um, they, they weren't real happy to answer that that was down to like, two or three, maybe 4% of their total of portfolio, which was pretty embarrassing when you put, put it in those terms. And um, that seems to speak, you know, pretty clearly to the conversation about not boycotting, especially if you can benchmark their trends and see where some of them have actually backed off from 20, 25% to two to three to 4%. Um, and then you get into their statements and their climate accord memberships. And some of these are signatory members that were like charter members and, and see, you know, kind of their statements that are pretty much pounding the desk saying, we, we will, we will uh, pressure companies to move out of these industries, you know, and they will meet our, our timelines or else. And um, we have to force uh, behavior. As yeah. Larry Fink from BlackRock said, sometimes you just have to force behavior. Um, exactly. That's that. That's what really, you know. I told I told one of them. I said, you know, look for for years, you guys were in your lane and we were in our lane. You didn't like us. 
but we stayed in our lane and we got on down the road. Now you started kind of moving over the center line and moving into my lane, and I honked and tooted my horn a little bit, but but that didn't do any good. Now you're trying to run me plumb off of the road into the ditch and destroy me, and I take that real serious and personal in an energy state like Oklahoma, and anyone else really should. And and we have something to say about that. We're not gonna we're not gonna let you run us off into the ditch and wreck us. You don't work for BlackRock. You don't work for Vanguard. You work for the people of Oklahoma. Absolutely, right. It's, and it's and it's and it's our money. And you can fire somebody. It's really weird to see some of the pushback uh, from the ESG industry to this, as if you know there's somehow you're obligated to you know, keep BlackRock forever. Um, and I'm seeing some of this kind of quasi analysis uh, coming out from the pension board saying that it would cost a certain amount of money uh, to the pension plan if you fired BlackRock, um, you know, because there's direct cost of trading, right? If you sell something and you buy something else, well, that's not free. Um, it's, it's pretty cheap, actually, but it's not free. I mean, it's, you know, $9.7 million in a $7 billion pension plan. Um, and that's like an initial switch. And so, you know, that gets amortized over time. But, the, but the logic of their argument is you can never fire anybody <laughs> because Absolutely. anytime you ever fire an asset manager, of course, you know, they're going to you're going to incur some brokerage fees. So you have to keep the same asset managers forever and ever. Otherwise, it violates fiduciary responsibility. That's a really odd argument for them to be making. Uh, you're exactly right. And that, that is exactly their position. And that's the first thing they came out with. We had board meetings last week, with one of the big pensions. And I mean, they just pretty much just uh, said, look, uh, here's a place that we we've estimated a certain amount of a loss. And, you know, we're just so here you go. We 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 uh, we estimate a loss. And so we don't therefore we don't have to comply anymore. Well, it's a lot more complicated than that. But that's that's kind of was their position. We'll, we'll follow up with that later, but I mean, I get it. They don't want to have to go through this. They've been doing the same old thing for years. And I, I pointed that out to, to this particular fund manager that, you know, you told me yourself, you haven't repriced this in over four years. So obviously your estimates are based on old, old outdated uh, data. Uh, you really won't know for sure until you go out and reprice it in the marketplace I mean, I, I, as a business person, can clearly see the opportunity to to uh, buy down a eight, nine, ten, ten million dollar cost over a five year contract on a seven billion dollar holding. I got to think any good any good money manager with a little business savvy uh, could more than make up those kinds of costs uh, and be real happy to handle that six, seven billion dollars. Yeah, and especially when we add the fact that, as you said, you're not alone in doing this, right? There are other states that are doing this and they're big, you know, Texas. Last time I looked, it was was a pretty big state. Uh, A lot of money there, you know, Florida. So there's a real market opportunity for a major player to come in who can, would have very low fees, just like a BlackRock or Vanguard. And just come in and specialize in dealing with states that require no boycott of fossil fuels um, right. as part of the cost of doing business. So they can arbitrage away that, you know, that I calculated it was 0.0014 
of the of your asset base was this cost, alleged cost, yeah. and that cost, as you as you say, is non dynamic. There's no competitive market there. Uh, yeah. So you know, that's assuming nobody responds to this, or none of your thirteen say, "Okay, you're right, we're going to change," um, and then they come in. So uh, I mean, that seems to be a stretch. I think the the other thing they sort of left out is. Given the performance of energy recently, where energy prices have been rising, um, that funds that underweight energy have underperformed because last year energy was the best performing sector. So what there's so in essence, what they're saying is, well, here's your broker. Your brokerage fees are going to go up 0.001, 0.0014 if you fire BlackRock, you know, and hire somebody else. But they're not counting the benefit of having asset managers who can fully participate in the market and do well in times when energy prices are rising, that's less constrained, over time, non-ESG managers beat ESG managers. Uh, So there's a performance, you know, differential there that's bigger than the tiny brokerage fees incurred by firing an ESG manager. And they're not counting that at all in their study, as far as I can tell. And they don't want to. They don't want to have that conversation. I mean, you know, part of my guidance to them was, look, you, you've got to, you've got to demonstrate some good faith effort to take a second look at this and reprice it. You've got, you at least have to present an RFP back to the market and see how that turns out. You can't just say, I assume I'd lose money. So therefore we're exempt and thank you. Goodbye. I mean, Mm. it's just not that, uh, it's just not that simple and shouldn't be when you're dealing with billions of dollars of, of people's money and they, they have a fiduciary obligation to check and see. Uh, they don't think so sometimes, but, but I think we'll, we'll convince them of, of that, of that obligation. Yeah. And it's also a kind of an odd thing for them to say, well, by limiting the number of businesses that you can do business with, you're harming the competitive market, but you're not allowed to turn around and say that to the asset managers by limiting the amount of business that you'll do with fossil fuels, you, you can't say that's harming business. <laughs> you, know, exactly. you being selective is, you know, is bad, but them being selective is, is good. Um, yeah. Seems very kind of, um, seems like it's just protecting an incumbent. It seems like it's yeah, just protecting it the largest asset manager in the world, which spreads around a lot of money. Um, yeah, I mean, that's sure. what it really feels like. So that, that's them. Okay. So what are the, what are you hearing from the people? Cause that's, you were not elected by BlackRock. You weren't elected by the pension board. You weren't elected by the civil servants. You were elected by the people of Oklahoma and you travel around and you speak to them. What are you hearing from them? Well, that's interesting. And unfortunately there's a lot of the public that's not familiar with ESG, um, Mostly the, you know, your grassroots uh, people in, in conservative states that have caught on to that. Um, and uh, but it's interesting. I will tell you kind of a litmus test that I, I picked up on about a week ago. It's interesting that one of the, the state banking organizations, we only have two, one of the state banking organizations uh, uh, either picked up a new member or renewed the membership of uh Bank of America and and maybe a couple of the others that uh, we generally never hear anything from until now. And uh, so they came to their rescue and come up with this uh, article that they put out that said, you know, maybe the government's not here to help you. This may be costing taxpayers lots of money to step aside from ESG. 
had this big article about it in the kind of what had been the statewide newspaper in Oklahoma. And uh, I was real disappointed to see it because it, it really cast uh, a, a different light on our, in our, our state, you know, our states that are our, our banks that are uh, located here in Oklahoma. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so later on, had my staff print that print that story and with that it printed out all the comments online that people were responding back it was interesting that there were several responses that blasted this banking association for pandering to some out-of-state international bank and was not really seeing it from a from a, a state bank perspective a community bank perspective and that they seem to be very aware of their role, uh, the Bank of America's role in ESG and what was going on. And probably every one of those comments, except for maybe one, and that one was more um, uh, diplomatic, but not not like it really had a hard position supporting ESG. Uh, they really let this this banking association leader have it. And uh, that that was really surprising to me because I didn't expect any any comments one way or the other. So um, I think that if you take that and you you know you multiply that across the state of Oklahoma, and people like that are aware of it. That tells me that they're catching on pretty quick and that they uh, they're keenly aware of what the motives of ESG mean to Oklahomans and the energy industry that uh, that brought us and. Uh, and, you know, as governor, our governor says, you know, we're, we're for all of the above. We're, 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 we're not anti-alternative uh, fuels. We are just, we believe that dancing with the one that brought us is also respectful and important. And, and, and that means that, that energy, oil, oil and gas and, and energy, carbon, hydrocarbon energies are going to be here to save us for a long, long time, and this is a this is this is a national uh, security issue as well as a humanitarian issue worldwide. Uh, when you look at what's happened in Ukraine and people in Europe that are probably chopping up furniture to get through the winter, burning wood, trying to find ways to come up with alternative energy because they've shut their natural gas lines off and their oil lines off. Uh, go tell those people that you think they need to be scoring well on ESG and see what they say. Um, so, you know, I think we've had a pretty candid, um, understanding of the motives and what it really means to the average person in America, especially in Oklahoma. Hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If, um, this wasn't in some ways problematic, this ESG approach and this, this climate change agenda, then why did the world's second largest asset manager Vanguard drop out of the uh, climate alliance? You know, you know, and and release a report at the same time. It's interesting. The report said ESG does not add to performance. Okay, that's great. I read the report. The actual report said that ES, the, the data they looked at, ESG subtracted from performance. So they were being generous, you yeah. know, when they yeah. said it doesn't help. Uh, yeah. The data they looked at, it hurts. All you have to do is, if if the, if the data is up to date, ESG gets killed in 2022. Um, because of the global energy crisis and because of the war. Uh, so it's, 
you know, how can it be fiduciary to leave out an asset class like that? Because you're going to have yeah. years, like you know, you're going to have years where that happens. So uh, the other thing I'm noticing is this year, these proposals are really getting voted down by investors at annual yeah. meetings, That's and they're getting amazing. voted down by wider margins than I've ever seen. I've sat through a lot of these annual meetings, and they're not they're they're doing they there it's two year trend downward in terms of the vote support from investors. So investors know something about this and they're starting and they yeah. figured this out. So, I mean, I, I and even the yeah. Financial Times and Wall Street Journal have written about this, too. This isn't just my observation. Now, that's a great point. But I will tell you, my concern is the the power of the proxy. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. And we, you know, we don't realize how important what's going on behind the curtain is to uh, to these industries and what we're talking about, because at the end of the day, the proxy activity probably is the most lethal, uh, dangerous part of this conversation because they are they are actively trying to manipulate the power and authority of the management and take control of that in spite of the men the in spite of and many times in spite of the management's objectives. I mean, let's let's face it; you had hoped that most most managers uh, uh, are more interested in the bottom line and, and giving a, a, a good return on investment to their investors than they are listening to some activist role. And um, they're trying to remove them or reshape their boards through these proxies. And that's, that is, you know, that is the most, uh, you know, it's most obscure and less known and, and very lethal. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm seeing the energy companies are now waking up to the, they thought they could appease these groups and they're learning that they can't. So at the latest Exxon and Chevron meeting I sat in on, I was surprised by how forcefully the CEOs rebutted these proposals and these activists and strongly reaffirmed their commitment to using fossil fuels. I think they're a little fed up. Um, So we're all learning, you know, Uh, we're catching up and you know, for those who are opposing what you're doing, I don't think they're really they've caught up with the uh, shift in public opinion and and uh, and in investor knowledge. So, you know, you're, you're to be commended for not just for looking out for the interest of the energy industry in your state. That's one of your duties as an elected official. Um, just, you know, to be to promote the Oklahoma economy, but also. It's not at the expense of fiduciary. To me, right. you sure. are increasing your fiduciary role by insisting that you do business with companies that are willing to invest in energy and vote. I'm glad you brought up proxies and vote pro-energy because yes. if they invest in companies but vote anti-energy, they're still mm-hmm. hurting energy. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's been going on. They've been investing in a lot of energy companies. And it's it's amazing to me. I had I won't mention any names, but I had some prominent energy companies that basically said, look, you know, uh, we don't have a problem with uh, one of these big names we've been talking about. Matter of fact, they invest in us in regularly and support us. And and in the back of my mind, I mean, my eyes were just rolling back thinking, oh my gosh, they, they think that that's a, a passive, uh, positive uh, uh, position that they're, they're, very uh, supportive of their industry and like what they're doing. It's like, yeah, ask, ask Exxon how that worked out for them. And um, 
they don't seem to, to realize that if they're investing in them, there's a nefarious uh, possibility that they may be trying to bulk up their proxy position to move a couple of board seats out from under them. And, um, it, it just, yeah, it was just, it's interesting how many things are going on out there that get overlooked. I am, I'm very excited to hear Exxon finally waking up and actually uh, putting the boots and gloves on and taking on these, these people that have really uh, set course for them to, to be out of business by 2050. I mean, the largest energy company in the world and uh, uh, basically being written off, you know, five years at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was really I and mean, they really called out some of the activists. I, I just I was just loving it, cheering from the sidelines. Hey, you think about this this proxy voting thing. So, you know, you, you take assets of this of people who live in Oklahoma, uh, retirees or future retirees, and, you know, they get three basis point, you know, management from BlackRock, but they lose their vote. And then you come along and say, look, maybe we need to get, take back our vote or put our money with somebody who will vote in, in favor of our interests. Oh, no, it's going to cost point oh oh one four, you know, uh, to, you know, one time to, to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how much would you – I wouldn't be willing to pay – I wouldn't be willing to sell my voting as a citizen. I would not – if someone came along and said, I'll pay you money to let me vote for you. Right. Just I, I want to buy your vote, Jerry. Uh, so you I'll just vote. However, I'm going to vote what I think is in your interest and I'll pay you money for that. I wouldn't take that deal. I would want to vote my own interest. You, you know, even if, it, if if they wanted to charge me a nickel or a dime or whatever, or a dollar or whatever to vote, you know, I would I would pay that to get my vote back. And it seems to me that the citizens of these states, even if all these analyses are right, and I think they're over-exaggerated the cost, but even if you're paying that 0.0014 to get your vote back and vote your interest, that seems to me that's even that's well worth it if you if sure. as as opposed to giving your authority away to people from New yeah. York who do not share your values, do not and do not share your economic interests. Yeah, yeah, but that's because you're looking on the long, you're looking into the long game, and they're looking at their their short game with their their friends and 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 partners that they've been doing business with not the tax not the taxpayers investors and the people that you should be concerned about the long-term uh, benefits and that's kind of unfortunate that that's that, that's where that comes from it's it's really amusing when i think back you know when when um, um the the bank failures that we saw bbs bank failed um and we started asking, you know, look, do we have any exposure? And no, we don't. We don't hold any stock in BBS. But then we got to looking at uh, uh, our Russell 1000 indexes and our Russell 2000 and 3000s. They said, oh, you know what? Uh, you know, they did report back that there was some holdings in 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 one of those index funds, but it was it was really it was really minimal. It was like. Point oh oh one seven percent. I said, well, so so what does that amount to on fourteen billion dollars? Oh, it was it was like seventy eighty million dollars. It was really nothing. So it's interesting when we were asking questions about that. It was really nothing. And seventy eighty million is nothing, but nine point yeah. seven million in brokerage fees is the end of the world. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's just really kind of you know, you know, it's all it's all a matter of opinion on what's what's relative and, and, and minute, you know? So anyway, um, yeah, those things get kind of, uh, 
frustrating. Well, you take heat if you're fighting entrenched interests. Um, and I know that you and a lot of the state financial officers, you didn't really sign up for this fight. You know, I mean, it tends to be a person who is into sort of um, fiduciary steward balancing the books, right? You were a bank yeah. CEO before. That's the kind yeah. of person who becomes a treasurer. It's not like a, no, no insult intended, but it's not like a really sexy position right. to be a treasurer Absolutely. or controller. And then all yeah. of a sudden this ESG thing comes sweeping over and you find that you have to fight for the interests of your citizens and you take a lot of heat for that. Yeah, it, it's really, it's really surprising. I, I, you said it so well. I mean, this has generally been a worker bee position uh, to be a statewide elected position in our state. It's really, you know, you'd think it's just a, a hard, hard worker, worker bee position. And it kind of typically has been. And now it's become incredibly political. I mean, not even the governor can move the money that the state has in investments. The treasurer is to be overseeing all of it constitutionally. So that becomes an incredibly important place for each state's uh, fiduciary uh, elected officials to, to be involved in and understand it and, and look out for the people's money. And, uh, but it does have a political cost to it. I mean, I'm having things happen in this office that I never dreamed would involve this office and it's just beginning to heat up. So um, we'll, we'll, strap on our boots and put on our gloves every morning when we come in and get ready to answer the phone and open the mail. <laughs> well, not many people know who their treasurer is, but I really like treasurers who know who their people are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and they're not the board of BlackRock. They're the people of Oklahoma. Yeah. Anything you want to say to us before uh, we end the interview, uh, Treasurer Russ? Um, we've covered a lot of stuff, but anything you want to leave, leave off on? You know, I'd just like to thank you for being involved in this conversation and knowing so much. And, and you know, wisdom and knowledge doesn't come cheap. It takes time and being in the trenches and devoting uh, research and, and study. And you, you've, got, you've got a significant level of knowledge and understanding, and you're willing to share that across the nation and, and, and help people understand and, and uh, advise them and help them be aware of that. And I, I, I just want to, I want to commend you and thank you. Cause I mean, in some ways you're, you're a mentor and role model to me. I mean, I've asked you dozens of questions when I catch you at an event or something for free. And uh, <laughs> you know, if you ever tally that tab, I'll, uh, I'll check in with you, I guess. But, uh, you just paid it. That, that, yeah. that meant, that meant a lot to me. Well, Believe me, it really did to hear you say that. Thank you for that. There's a lot to a servant's role that gets overlooked, and uh, the most intense people out there are doing what they're doing for free. Hmm. Well, keep up the good work, my friend, and put on those boots, and um, truth is on your side, and truth will prevail. Yes. This has been uh, Treasurer Todd Russ of uh, the great state of Oklahoma. I'm Jerry Boyer. Thanks for joining us on Meeting of Minds podcast.